um, share with us a little about your experiences and how is there any um, incidents incidents that you might have gone on, you know, over the years that you have experienced that um, you possibly couldn't get out of your head or or um, weren't able to um, sort of clear it out of your mind right away and if there has been um share with us please if you're comfortable but also like how were you able to unload um and be able to um deal with that type of stuff yeah um it's a it's a heck of a question and it's it's something that uh that 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 has you know it has to be answered for everybody Mm. at some point and you're absolutely right i mean the, the taking something in taking care of yourself, um, over the course of my career, uh, there are several instances that that I play in my head. That, you know, I can bring you back to the moment. I can bring you back to what was mm. being said. I can, um, you know, there's one instance. Um, one night on the highway, two cars were. Um, I don't know if you were there, but uh, two two cars were racing over 100 miles an hour. And uh, one sped off on uh, Route 3 right by uh, uh, Weymouth Commons on the highway. The tennis courts are right there. It was a colder night, uh, a little bit of um, uh, snow on the ground, a little bit on the grass on the side of the highway. Uh, the Mustang went off. Uh, it must have been airborne. And uh, the, the driver was ejected. And the passenger, the seatbelt kept him in the vehicle. Uh, we rolled up on the engine, and um, I know who was there, and, and you know, I had a great driver, a great crew, and um, Trooper was at the top and looked at me and said, yeah, there's one down in the car, and this is the driver. So a couple of guys ran over that, and I went down into the basin, and uh, there was a young man on the passenger seat. He was, uh, he was seatbelted in, and... Um, the engine block was probably about 100 feet that way. There was nothing left of the front of the Mustang. Uh, it was just him and the dashboard. Uh, the roof uh, was just about off already. And um, he was uh, lifeless. And I uh, just kind of looked at him and kind of doing a quick assessment of what we needed. I yelled up the hill. Um, Ricky got me the uh, you know the power unit for the jaws. We were going to use the jaws to pop the door and... EMS was uh, just coming down the hill, and I said, hey, we're going to get this guy out. And I turned back to him, and, um, you know, for for your listeners, his neck was all the way to the back um, and uh, looked like his neck was uh, broken. Um, And I just took my hands, one from the back of the head and uh, and one on the jar, and I just moved him into the anatomical position, (gasps) and he gasped. Oh, my goodness. He was alive. And um, we got him out, um, and uh, I know, you know, I don't know if the young man today, that was years ago, uh, was a young officer uh, on the engine. Um, he wasn't, he lived, uh, I, don't, I don't know if he's still alive, but um, that one I play in my head, and yeah, that one I still see, you know, mm. I still see that one um, vividly uh, to the point where, you know, I know when he's retired now, a couple of the guys are retired now that were on the truck and 
you know, I know one of them still mentions that call and that night because it was just a, it was a unique thing, um, that, that happened. And, um, it was, uh, it's, it, there's, 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 there's numerous ones, I guess, in the, in the, in the, in the suitcase yeah. on the shoulder. Uh, that one, I'll tell you, you know, still I can smell, I can, you know, I, I know, just know every detail of that one call. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it messed me up for a little bit, uh, yeah. because I wasn't expecting that. And yeah. it was a good thing. You know, obviously breathing is, is a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, for the, for the young man and, but, um, it was one of those things that, that, you know, had stuck with me for a long time, and, um, you know, really didn't talk to anybody about it, didn't tell anybody about it, and you know, just my feelings with that one, and and where he was in his body, and you know, thinking that he was dead, and um, so, you know, there's there's others that 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 I can vividly remember. Can I ask uh, you? Can I go back there a little bit? Sure. You said that like messed me up a little bit for a while. What does that mean? Um. I, I guess I couldn't get the the vision of it out of my head to you know, you know. On a you know it it would, it, would, it wasn't like haunting, but it was just there. It was mm-hmm. one of those things that that whole scene, and to this day, it's the way that that one call. Um, I can, it just it brings me right back to that. So, I don't know what it was about the call. I don't know if it was something before that call or, you know, a number of other calls, but. I guess that was my my fill. I guess I was filled at that point, I guess mm. for a lack of a better term. And it was just one of those things that has always stuck with me was that I think I already was carrying a full suitcase yeah. at that point. And that was the last piece that yeah. was going in. The, and, and I guess that's the best way to describe it. And uh, Yeah, you I'll, know, just, I'll, yeah. Do, I'll just have yeah. described another rocker, another boulder gun Pre- in there. Pretty right? much, yeah. Just yeah. pretty much something else that maybe just spilled over. Mm-hmm. And that's why that one stays with me so vividly yeah um and then dealing with it was uh you know just you know I, I talked to a couple of guys at the firehouse about it and um you know I never never really did anything else with it mm-hmm. other than um you know I talked about it for a little bit and you know only inside the firehouse at that time and you know I really just stayed with it you know what I mean it's uh you know never gone anywhere else with it but um I was glad I spoke and to your point, Linda, yeah. you know, um, it wasn't courage. It was more like, hey, can I can I talk to you for a second? You know, and just kind of went through it with a couple of guys individually. And, uh, you know, they all, uh, back then, it, you know, the, both of them said the same thing to me. You know, it was, you know, it wasn't, hey, get over it. Uh, you know, hey, you know, you, you know, wipe it off, put some dirt on it, and get back in the game. It was actually some, some sound advice that, you know, hey, you know, you got to take care of yourself. Mm. You know, this place is this place. Uh, it's always going to be here. Um, but, you know, you need to take care of yourself. You need to, you know, whatever it is that brought that on, um, you know, you need to take care of. And, you know, I think, you know, uh, still there. It's <laughs> I still guess there. for lack of a So having said yeah. that, like, what do you do? Like, um, you know, you said that could have possibly been, you know, my my backpack that bag was was full at the time and possibly that was you know my limit of what I could withstand right at the, at the time and that could possibly be so right but there's many many other other incidents that I'm sure that you've you know experienced here also over in the emergency department um 
yeah. right? Yes. Uh, yeah. uh, one of the main hospitals um, around here. So, so what do you do when you when I hear the words like you got to take care of yourself? <laughs> Tell me what you do to take care of yourself. I walk. Self care. <laughs> Wow. As, wow, as Jay can attest to, because he saw me like day day after day. I try to, I you know, uh, mm. I'm I'm my I, I guess Patty got me into the the routine of you know counting steps and got me this nice Fitbit that I wear every day. And you know, it's not that I obsess about it, but um, I try to to make it a point to 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 walk and and kind of just clear clear the air, clear the head a little bit. Um, yeah, I try to. Try to do that. I don't go to the gym really. I'm um, not really into that. I used to play basketball, pick up basketball, and, and all of that, and and, and and do something like that. But now, uh, a little bit older, the knees hurt a little bit more. Mm. Um, but it's 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 the walking. I think that that does that solace. And I don't, you know, I can be with my wife. Uh, you know, walking. She loves to walk as well. And but we'll try to different locations and just kind of get away from it all. Um, mm. Get away from that cell phone and, and all of that because yeah um you know i i think part of it too, what i do is i you know right around i just i just like helping people so i'll just delve into that too and um it's solace for me to be honest with you it, sometimes it's uh but it's it's another aspect but walking is the one that really allows me at least some some time to just decompress a little bit yeah, absolutely. I I can totally relate to that. I used to be a very very avid walker. Early in the morning is my is my time, but my time is switched now to be here early in the morning. Um, but I get it. Um, that feeling of me being walking is like being able to solve all the problems in the world while I'm out for that forty minutes or an hour, right? And and that feeling good that those are good endorphins from. Getting out, walking, thinking, clearing your head, basically, right? Yeah, um, it is a good feeling, and then also like what you said, like turning my energy into, I think, turning your energy into helping others. That's also a good feeling. Um, so using sort of those good feelings to be able to help you get through certain situations that might not sit with you well. You know what I mean? Um, I like that. You know. Think about all those other little things that you could start putting in there too. <laughs> I'm only starting to do this for myself now, um, you know, after a couple of years. So it's really, really starting to the point. Yeah, I used to walk a lot and think a lot, being able to think um, without noise around me, right? And just clearing my head. It's a wonderful feeling um, to be able to, to do that and experience that and say, oh, okay. Now I know, I understand that. That clicks, that put, it, no, put those things together. Debriefing, like peer support um, after incidents. I know there's like the kitchen table, but share with us um, like what is the procedures for debriefing within a, de- a department? Yeah, so after an incident. Yeah, after an incident, yeah. obviously, like I, I kind of touched on it a little bit um, is that, you know, obviously calling the members and just start letting them know that, you know, if they need anything beyond, you know, anything. Um, so what we have in the past, just most recently, and um, just had another incident that we got to kind of just touch bases with on uh, with some guys, but um, is that opportunity and offer um, of uh, some type of critical incident stress. Um, it's not mandatory. I can't force guys into a room because if we do that, 
if I bring a crew in and, and they just sit there, um, I sometimes that's counterproductive as to, uh, you know, the guys just, you know, you never want to take them out of their firehouse. Um, but that has happened in the past. And, um, you know, those are the things that I, I get concerned about is that you bring a guy down to headquarters to have an incident, you know, to critical incident stress and their firehouse is station one or station five. Um, that's not their environment. And that's something that we still got to work on in, in the department. Mm. Um, but we offer that critical incident stress. Um, you know, we, we have the teams that are available. I usually reach out to the PFFM, get something in line, ready to go, and just give them the indication that, hey, we had this incident in Weymouth. The guys right now, um, you know, they'll, they'll tell me nine times out of ten they, they don't want to talk to anybody. Um, I did, we did have a crew that, that wanted to, you know, or individually, you know, I know South Shore Hospital has run a couple, but it's, it's that's nice. Mm-hmm. you know, to bring police, fire, and EMS together on certain calls. Um, but there's different things going on in all of those three entities. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's that's the problem is that trying to get the guys um, – I, I don't want to force anybody, and I, I guess I've taken that stance over the last year or so is that, mm-hmm. you know, I know that, you know, hey, we got to call the critical I, – I, we do. Um, but – I base it on what the guys, I'm not going to force anybody to sit at a kitchen table and have some, some person come in the room, but we do offer it, yeah. and we offer that. And then on top of that, any other services that they may need, um, you know, we, we rely heavily on the union to, to, to kind of at least direct them into that because our culture in, 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 in Weymouth specifically, um, we've had some battles and we've had some problems, mm-hmm. and things weren't addressed and they still aren't, you know, to, to the satisfaction of where, where we want to be. Mm. And in that, that creates an environment that, um, you know, is not necessarily hostile, but is, is standoffish. Mm. And when someone offers it from a different side of the table, you know, that's, that's still something that it's raw and we have to deal with. And, and we try to say, put my hand up and say, Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, we called. We we got this. Yeah, and you know it's it's can't be force fed, and mm. and I think that's the balance that we're trying to to manage right now. And I think a lot of departments are trying to manage that instead of saying automatically you had a bad call. You know, teams in on eight a.m. your next shift, and they're going to be in there and talk and sit down and you know everybody reacts differently. Everybody has a different manner in which they need to deal with those things. And yes. I think that's. That's where we need to improve upon mm. in the department. So we do offer the critical incident stress. We offer everything that we possibly can to the members individually and collectively as a group. I mean, I'll talk to the company officer. I'll talk to the senior guy. I'll talk to the junior guys and just kind of see where they are and then, you know, give it a day mm. and then call them. Say, yeah. hey, how you doing? Yeah. You know, what's going on today? What are you up to today? You know, uh, well, X, Y, Z. I say, and sometimes, you know, like recently, you know, We'll get a guy, hey, yeah, you know what? I will take you up on that. Yeah. Okay. I said, and and the other thing I think, and, and Jay can attest to this as well, is is trying to keep it as private as possible. You know, there I is that. That it, is totally key. Right. You and because, and sure. yeah, it's one thing, you know, to keep it private within a firehouse and to keep that critical incident stress, you know, obviously the discussion about it 
should happen for everybody else eventually about how to deal with something like that if you come across it. But the privacy of that event and it is is unique and trying to find out when someone's comfortable enough to come forward. Mm. Yeah. And it may take days. It may take weeks. It yeah. may take years yeah. um, to, to, for that to be drawn out. So it's not just... I try, we try to look at it now as, you know, it's not that one time at the kitchen table. It's trying to gauge, okay, you know, we'll check on you in a couple of days and then another couple of days. And then, you know, I'll try to make a, you know, a list for myself that I don't share with anybody, just a list of the events and who was on the call and just kind of eventually get back to them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it takes some time sometimes, but eventually trying to just say, hey, you all right? You know, yeah. how are you doing with that? You know, yeah. because we just, we did, we just had a, a very, um, you know, they're all horrific events. And we had one very uniquely horrific event recently that, that um, members just, you know, their time, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. yeah. so has anybody ever under the department like expressed like maybe that they would want to be like go into also like, like a clinician? Um, and be able to take that into peer support? Yeah. Um, um, like to have someone on the department? Yeah, I, I, I think uh, we had it. You know, it's it's something that has to be addressed. I, I think what we've had a number of members that have gone on to uh, school mm-hmm. and, to, and get involved in, in those aspects of helping our members mentally. Yeah, and we've been fortunate. Um, we had him here for some time, and your co-host Jay um, was a big part of that. And I think that opened the door. And I think we have another member that went to school, and yep. you know, is is part of it. And I would like to see, at a minimum, some more of the the guys, and, and at even different aspects of it, that peer support. Yes, uh, I know we've had two members that have gone to the class and, and done that to be kind of part of that peer support beyond that clinician stage. Mm-hmm. And because that I, a, cl- a clinician, I, I don't, I'm not going to put any clinician down because they have a unique role, but the jobs of first responders are unique to the accountant that Jeff Wall wanted, you know, was going to be mm-hmm. in we all have stresses in our lives and we all deal with that. Um, but I look at first responders, police, fire, EMS, and it, there's something else, as we all know, the job does to us. Yeah. And having someone that has done it. Yes. Not saying they have to have done it, but someone that has done the job and actually experienced the same feelings that I have and that Jay has mm-hmm. is just. It, it gives the, that person the comfort to know that this he, person gets he, it. He or she really gets it. Yes. You know, and yes. it can be, you know, um, you know, any aspect of that that has been connected to the first responder family because they're all affected as well. Yes. As you know, Linda. And that's, yes. and that's, that, that's where I find the value in trying to get people um, like Jay and, and others to, to, to continue on that path because it's it's lacking I yes. guess I guess it's lacking I mean I don't I don't you can speak to a Jay in the, in the field that 
Um, I do. I, I think it is. I, I think it's improving, but cultural change is, is slow and complicated. Um, I also think that you're doing a really good job describing some of the barriers that are created by stigma. And when you talk about not force-feeding mental health on first responders, I mean, I mean, that's so important, right? Because then what do we do? We add resistance to the conversation. People will push back against that. And coming to a place where uh, the members, the men and women that work in first response, understand that it's okay to reach out for help when and if they need it, and, and they're comfortable doing so is, you know, kind of the next stop. That's what we're, we're trying to arrive at. Um, and it's complicated. It's complicated. This is maybe my favorite part of the conversation so far. You're very accurately describing those barriers and some of the ways that we overcome them. What do you see as, a, as the next step in the right direction to, to moving towards that change? Like, is there something that, that we can do to... Um, to reduce the stigma, to increase openness of uh, first responder culture. Yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, you wanna? No, you go oh, ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's, it's a true partnership of, mm-hmm. of, of the members, you know, representation uh, outside the union in, in the city. Yeah. Um, I think that's where... Um, you know, and just my my own general thoughts of just overall relationships. There are good relationships. There are absolutely abysmal relationships between those those two entities. Mm-hmm. And then there's a bunch of people in the middle that are just not sure what to do or how to address it. And, yes. And that's where, you know, that stigma of, you know, ah, they're just looking for more time off. Ah, they're just looking for another reason to, to call out sick or... And, and I know that in, in my experience, and I'll just speak to myself and understanding that is that, okay, but we still have a problem. You, you can think that all you want, mm-hmm. but we still have a problem here that we have to address and you have to acknowledge. And, you know, to give them the opportunity to understand it because – you know, uh, it's just them. It's just, it's just them again. It's just, you know, they're just, just looking for something else. And it, it's, it's so much more than that. In trying to bridge that and come to a resolve is something that, uh, you know, you try to work on on a daily basis. And, you know, you crack an egg here, but you got another one right in front and right on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you get through one mm-hmm. and you get the person to say, you know what? Yeah. And then you get through one and then there's that other barrier. Yeah. And, you know, and then you're here again trying to ex- re-explain yourself of why we need this. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's really not about, you know, it has to, it doesn't have to be collective bargaining necessarily. It, it has to be, though, it has to be a conversation so that there's something in place. So when someone does raise their hand and says, hey, I, I got an issue here, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Yeah. And then... It can't be just, well, call the town's EAP. Yeah. What? No, that's like me like talking about giving a list again from the union side, which we're trying to Absolutely. dissuade. You know, it's it's got to be a collaborative effort because that's not right for everybody. Yeah. Someone may be comfortable doing that. Um, they have to give the person and the people that are looking to help them, and this is department heads and mayors and union presidents and union officials and members themselves, you got to give that individual, you know, 
options, a little bit more of the options to say, hey, you know what? You don't have to go to the town's things. You don't have to go to the union's thing. You know, no one's right or wrong here. But, you know, you just raised your hand. All we care about is just getting you help. Mm-hmm. And I know it can't be on the town side. You know, uh, you know, you know, uh, you know, he's just, you know, he's taking more time. And no, it's not that. It's if they're in a right program and they can openly discuss their problem and not worry about being shamed or ridiculed or even penalized yeah. for not working. In, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's no one's, you know, you know, we always have problems with, with, with individuals, but, you know, when, when someone raises their hand to your point earlier, Linda, and someone's at the kitchen table and goes, hey, I got a problem. Mm-hmm. They got a problem. Yes. And, and, and they're not kidding. Right. Yeah. No one wants to raise their hand and go to get some extra time off. And that's yeah. what I'm trying to convey is that if we got someone that raises the, that says, hey, I got a problem. Mm-hmm. I got to be able to go into that chief's office or that mayor's office and say, hey, we need to do this. Yeah. You got to listen to me. You get, you, that trust has to be there and to say, hey, Jeff's not asking this guy just because, just because. Yes. There's something going on. Now, yeah. I, you know, we have to have that ability to have some leeway there. And I think that's where we get all jammed up yeah. is that, well, I need to know. Yeah. Jeff Wall doesn't need to know. You don't need to know. I just know this person has some things and we need to get them to the right spot. Yeah. And I need your help to allow us to do that. Well, think about how, how um, you know, better the individual would be, right, themselves healthy working right and and been working out on i don't know but i don't if if you had a crew and there's one guy that isn't noticeable that there's behavior changes don't you want that person to be well on the crew going out on the on the trucks with you absolutely you do so get them the help um that they need but the thing is is that there's you know the reason why I brought this up is because um, Weymouth PD um, has a clinician, just new clinician, Eddie O'Brien, um, is a police officer, but he's also a clinician within the department. And then also in, in Braintree, um, Christian Lighton um, is also a new clinician. And they're going to be working together. And, and they're part of... Um, you know, the peer support, right? The one the couple of the leaders in peer support and they are going to be coming in interviewing with us. Um we're, we're very excited to talk about that. But the reason why I brought it up is is that something that's a possibility that Weymouth, you know, would be able to, you know, support in having a clinician working within the department and who's going to be part of that peer support program. I think also um, Freddie is also part of that, right? F- peer support in Braintree. Yes, yeah. he is. Right. So, and I know there's others that are following his, his, his footsteps, so to speak, in that area because they know wholeheartedly there's a need because of their job um, and what they see every day, right? And to be able to talk about that openly. And and I again I'm going back to like I just talked to a police officer the other day and five years down the road, who worked with our son, and he, 
he's still carrying that. And I, 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 I said to him the other day, who's checking in on you? Say, are you okay? Five years down the road. I want to know, are you okay? Well, who's checking in on you? And I want to know, I want to know that. Like, who's checking in? And, and these are things that we need to address that possibly he's still, this guy is still holding on to, um, you know, years down the road. And we need to be checking on that stuff. It's, it's, it's our job. It's my job as a citizen in the community to, to bring awareness to this. And I feel a calling for that to, to speak out. Just keep on speaking about it because someone just might listen. We need to have these healthy, you know, first responders out on the roads um, taking care of us every day. And we need to pay that back. This is what led ourselves to be having conversations uh, and to become friends and to share our passionate about, passion about um, mental health and first response or mental wellness and first response, um, so to speak, because we want, we want all of you to be well. And, and as Freddie said, and to be able to retire at the end of it all healthy um, and still have a healthy life and live a healthy life. Um, and that's what, that's what I want to achieve. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Okay. I agree. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I'm I'm never going to stop talking, Jeff. So no, you're, you're going okay. to hear good. me a lot talking as far as as that's concerned. Um, but you know, what would you like to see happen? If, if you were just to give it like in a nutshell, what would you like to see happen within departments? Not only within your own department, but in general, to make it easier for first responders to be able to speak out about what's really happening what's really going on i think i think it's it's it starts with the collaboration of of management in 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 labor i i i I, it has to be the same message Mm -hmm. it can't be they got to all be in the same room and stand up in front of these members and and these you know brothers and sisters and say hey we're not going to jam you up you know this is this is you know it just like a you know you know you you bring in a CSI discussion in in the class, you know, but guys need to to hear it, and and women need to hear it, but then they need to see it in action because, as we all know, you can say anything you want and you know, but if you're not gonna follow it up with real action, absolutely, and in 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 and make that collaboration happen, and it doesn't have to be, you know, um, you know, with a town is is. Is, is looking at it as a you know just a, a negative and you just you know time off it it has to be for the wellness of the the individual yeah because they benefit when the person's productive at work yes the crews benefit when they're productive at work yeah the individual most of all benefits when yes. they're productive at work mm-hmm. because yes. that means things are going pretty pretty good in one aspect yes. of their lives yes you know you know havoc maybe at home or something but to have that one base sometimes is not. I used to, you know, the firehouse used to be my forty-eight hours of, you know, fantasy, you know, because, you know, the rest of the world was out outside there, and I was here with, you know, these group of these group of indi- you know these individuals made up this group, and we were just a cohesive unit, and we could rely on each other for those forty-eight hours, and that has to carry over, so that the the membership, any membership, can look at this and say, you know what. I'm okay coming forward. It's just that 
you know, you don't have to write everything down in, in a procedure and how to do all of that. Yeah, you can understand that when someone comes to you with a problem, hey, this is what we're going to potentially do for that individual. But that collaboration has to start at the top because that's the only way you're going to gain the trust of the members that are in these departments because mm-hmm. it's unfortunately there's, there's histories that, that scar that relationship mm-hmm. and at some point we we got to do something with that because yeah. it's not benefiting you know i i, I don't want to be secret squirrel you know uh, mm. in in work outside of the parameters i will if i have to for the individual i don't i don't really care but and i'll take we'll take that hit but um that's where i believe it has that 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 not just conversation. Has to start at the top. It has to start right there, and yeah. you got to be committed to, to making that change because yeah. that's the only way. It's it, because th- other than that, um, in in we're, the unions, both police, fire, you know, they're they're good at getting help for our individuals. It's okay, we got them help, but they can't work. And if we don't have that discussion with management. You know, yeah. they still need a paycheck. Yeah. They still need to live. They still need to provide. Yeah. And we need to make sure that, you know, they can yeah. uh, when they come back. Yes. And that they're not looked at any differently from the people at the top. And, yeah. and that's, that's, a, that's a, it's a big issue. Yeah. And it's something that needs to be addressed. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you, Jeff. I mean, I remember having that discussion with um, Chief Del Papa um, from, the, from the police department. And, um, you know, when I asked him that same question, which I, I ask a lot because I want to hear other people's perspective, right, um, in different interviews. And, and he had said, listen, we can put all the programs that we want in place, um, but if we don't foster a belief that we're going to support you and get you the help that you want, it's never going to work. Because they're never going to, uh, even with peer support, and they're, they're, they're never going to talk if they're um, or open up or feel safe. I think that is, um, you know, very important that an individual feels safe and secure, um, being able sharing their their deepest stuff that's going on, right? Um, but it, it definitely has to foster. It starts at the top, and and I mean that's what we we talked about in in that in that discussion with Chief Del Papa, is that that's what he wants to do. He wants to foster that belief. And and the only way that that's going to happen is he can say all he wants, but his actions, following through with it, is key. And they'll see that. And that'll, that'll then foster true in a, in a belief in, in his own department. And I believe that to be true of him um, when, when he, when he talks, talks like that. But it's also... Um, you know, definitely starting at the top. I'm going to repeat myself now. I'm babbling there because I lost my train of thought. But it's definitely starting at the top. And it definitely has to s- start somewhere. Because what we've, we know, and we know as a community, and, and it's known in departments, those guys and women taking those jobs and the departments are putting them out there, they're going to experience trauma. And it's inevitable. It's it's and and you're gonna collect that backpack and 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 fill it up and fill it up. And it is gonna overflow if it's not unloaded. 
and there has to be a way for them to unload. So um, why not in departments be proactive and put procedures in place, like really concrete procedures in place, foster that environment that they're openly speaking about it, um, and also the administration to let them believe like it really, really stirred up belief in, in the departments that this is to be true. I am going to help you. And you're not going to be penalized mm. for for it, which is key. Because as a police officer, you know, if they're struggling, um, their fear is their gun is going to get taken away from them and how can they do their job, right? And and um, I don't know what it is in, in the fire department, but I'm sure there's also those fears. It right? will, it will be, it's removing the ridicule and retribution. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's that's what I have you know seen and and heard and it, it's it's sometimes subtle yeah and um, that's 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 the focus that's yeah. that's is 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 to allow these individuals to 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 open up and in in yeah and be be healthy be healthy absolutely. Yeah. Allow them to open up and be healthy. I don't think that it can be overstated the the importance um, of a process existing and and um, that the response be be uniform uh, when somebody reaches out for help, especially in in this career field within this culture, this population. I don't think that that can be overstated. I also want to say clearly that when a man or woman is suffering from post traumatic stress and they receive uh, qualified, appropriate resources, and they go through a program, uh, the likely and, and expected outcome is recovery. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what happens. The science and math on that is, is in. Yes. Um, so it's these other things that, that we need to, to overcome. And, and um, you know, the, anyone who thinks that, that a first responder, that a police officer or a firefighter is, is going to raise their hand in front of their peers and say, hey, basically what you're saying is I'm suffering from emotional injuries, right? Uh, that's just anyone who thinks that, that, um, that members of that culture would do that uh, disingenuously to, to uh, get sick time or, or are somehow malingering is, is someone that probably is disconnected from or doesn't have a firm understanding of the culture, uh, if somebody you know wanted time off or or something like that, well, there's other ways to go about there. that. Yeah, you know it's just yeah. it's it's just not reasonable. Um, so that is a person with a problem, and and these injuries should be uh, processed in a uniform manner, the same way that that when a person has a physical injury, those that's a complicated process too. But you know um, there is one in existence. And um, I think that I think that'll be progress when when we get there. And and um, you know, as Linda said, we, we're not going to stop talking about this. So no. when we all get there, um, that'll be a great day. And Jeff, it's great to see you. It really is. It's great, to see, is. You, it's great to see you. And yes, yeah. uh, likewise, man. Thank you so much for agreeing to come in and sharing so much knowledge and experience on yes. the subject with us. Uh, we <laughs> really. We really appreciate it, man. Yeah, and it, and, it, and it's important. It's it's important to hear all different perspectives um, coming from all different angles, and um, I'm I'm honoured um, for every interview that I'm able to sit on in on and be able to have a conversation with everyone. I don't take 
this side of the microphone lightly. And um, yeah, I'm here for a reason. Thank sure. you. Thank, thank you both. Linda, thank you. Jay, thank you for what you're doing. It's, uh, it's, it's just amazing that, that this is something that uh, we can discuss and bring in all the people that you've brought in so far and the mm. people that you will bring in and yeah. the different perspectives. Because I hope, I really do, I hope that uh, guys and ladies take care of themselves in this business. And uh, we're all guilty of it uh, yeah. of every now and then, of not. And um, sometimes we lose focus on that. And hopefully with your words and your guests and, and, and continuing to do this, that uh, even one person, two people, three people, mm. or at least we get that culture of, you know, hey, I need help. Yeah. And, and, and improve upon that. Yeah. And those little, 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 little victories add up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, whole, the whole point of, you know, I think us is doing, doing what we're doing is to just be speaking up about, you know, you can be well on, on your job. You can. Mm. And you can get help. And you can recover. And you can heal. And you can still do your job well. And, um, and we want to prevent, you know, unfortunately, in, um, you know, first responder culture. Um, a lot of folks who do not speak up about, you know, what's going on with them really, you know, it ends up being a crisis before they end up getting help. Right. And, and then ultimately, you know, we don't want to end up... Um, with what our family have gone through, um, I wouldn't wish that on any any family, and that's what I want to try and prevent. Um, is another first responder family being able to identify themselves as a suicide loss survivor of a first responder, and um, so yeah, I'll never stop talking. It's okay. No, <laughs> I, I, your your questions were great, and yeah. uh, no, they were good. There was uh, it was very enjoyable to to be here and to have this discussion and. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you. What we hear in Jeff's explanation of how he transitioned from the life of an accountant to that of a firefighter is a clear example of the calling we often talk about on this program. The calling to help others. Jeff found that. He cares deeply about the men and women that he works with. He loves his family supports his peers and advocates for others to do the same. Lieutenant Wall has a long career in first response. Throughout that career, he served in a number of roles. As a result, Lieutenant Wall has a well-developed, balanced perspective on first responder mental health. We encourage first responders to seek help when they need it, to get healthy because they deserve it, to then Set an example for others that are still suffering. There's strength in advocacy. Till next time. Till next time. <laughs>